from San Diego, California, it's the Frug Life Podcast with your host, Ricky Hershey. Welcome to the Frug Life. This week, we are covering another Gordon Ramsay book, Bread Street Kitchen Cookbook. Oh, wait a second. No, no, that's not the book. It's Dave Ramsey's The Total Money Makeover. Ron Ramsey. So let me start by reading my favorite line in the book, where Dave says, I have a PhD in D-U-M-B. In essence, he's talking about how he has made a lot of mistakes in his life and that he knows from experience. I think a lot of the book can be summarized in his own words, uh, his belief that personal finance is 80% behavior and only 20% head knowledge. Most folks have a good idea of what to do with money, but not how to do it. And so Dave, by his own omission later in the book, talks about how this book isn't revolutionary. It doesn't have new principles or anything like that. It's not some academic exercise. Instead, it's mostly a motivational tool. And I think at that, this book is very effective. He shares stories from individuals about their success, about how they were once in debt, and they followed Dave Ramsey's program and became successful. And Dave is a pretty good writer. Here's another section I want to read to you. We live in a land of plenty that has, until recently, lulled a large percentage of Americans to sleep, thinking everything will be okay. Things won't be okay unless you make them that way. Your destiny and your dignity are up to you. You are in charge of your retirement. And so I think the book ultimately succeeds in what it attempts to do. I think it is motivational. I don't know if I learned too much specific reading this book, but I thought it was inspiring. And so if you are in debt, I wholeheartedly endorse reading this book. I think it is a great idea and a great motivational tool. Now, if you are not in debt, I think the book is still inspiring, but I think there may be some tweaks you may want to make to the book. And mostly I'm talking about if you are in consumer debt, not business debt, because Dave is pretty adamant against business debt, even though I think there are circumstances in which it may be an okay idea. Let's hear what Dave says on that matter. The myth has been sold that we should use OPM, other people's money, to prosper. This academic garbage is spread really thick on this issue. We are told with sufficient snobbery and noses in the air that sophisticated and disciplined financiers use debt to their advantage. Careful there, you'll get a sunburn on your upper lip. There's a few things I find funny about this quote. And one is just Dave Ramsey's idea of what academics are like. Um, And if you actually contrast that with what Robert Kiyosaki's idea of what academics are like, right? According to Robert K., people who teach in schools are like scammers and that they don't know anything and that they don't teach you to use debt. They don't teach you how to make money. And it's funny because Dave Ramsey says almost the opposite, that they do teach you how to use debt and how to make money, but in the wrong way. Uh, So I think that's a very interesting contrast between Dave Ramsey and Robert Kay. And I think it is important, there is a difference between personal debt and debt for your business. Because if you are like a Fortune 500 company or some publicly traded entity, I mean, there are legitimate reasons why you would use debt over equity. 
Now, for most people, that's not really relevant. And so I kind of understand where Dave is coming from. All right, so now let's talk about Dave Ramsey's baby steps. I'm sure you've heard of these, but if not, let me recap them real quick. Baby step one, save $1,000 for a starter emergency fund. Baby step two, pay off all debt except the house using the debt snowball. Baby step three, save three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. Baby step four, invest 15% of your household income in retirement. Baby step five, save for your children's college fund. Baby step six, pay off your home early. Baby step seven, build wealth and give. And so like other books by Dave, the book revolves around these seven steps. And I think there's actually a whole episode I could do on each of these steps, perhaps, or many episodes. So I'm going to try to keep things high level here. One thing Dave does that I'm not sure I 100% agree with is his advocating of the use of the debt snowball. So what the debt snowball does is you get all of your debt and you sort it by size. So your smallest debts you'll put at the top of the list and your largest debts you will put at the bottom of the list. And you just start paying them off in order. So pay your smallest debts first and eventually you'll pay the larger debts. Now, Dave does this mostly as a motivational tool to help people get the ball rolling. That is, they see themselves successfully paying off a debt and then moving on to the next one. It's inspiring and it helps them get moving. But I think mathematically, and I've probably said this before, paying the highest interest debt is probably the better solution. And just one minor point of clarification, in either the debt snowball or the alternative, the debt avalanche, I think it is sometimes called, where you pay the highest interest first. In either case, you're still making the minimum payments on all the other debt. And so being the accountant I am, I typically advocate what is mathematically the best solution, not thinking about people's psychology. But that being said, I think the best system is the one that works for you. And if you need that extra motivation, go ahead and use Dave's approach. I think now we should talk about my second point of disagreement with Dave, and that is credit cards. Dave says, get your credit cards and cut them up. Dave says that as you use credit cards, you spend more, and that if you actually use cash, you see that cash leaving your pocket and you don't like it. And so Dave is pointing out a bias that we have as humans to spend more when we use credit cards. But just because we have a bias doesn't mean it's the end of the world. We don't just give up at that point and say, well, I guess I'm biased. I can't do anything about that. No, I think just even being aware of that bias will help you combat it. So if you are aware that you may spend more money with a credit card, then you can actively try not to do that. And you know, for me personally, I think it works pretty well. I like using credit cards because I get cash back when I do so. I always pay my card on time, and it helps build my credit score. I never pay interest on a credit card of any type. And this system works for me, but it's possible it may not work for everyone. I say, though, just have more willpower and use your credit card responsibly. Don't buy stuff you don't need. Don't buy things you can't afford. Because it's true, if you pay interest on your credit card, it pretty much negates any of the benefit you got using rewards. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back as we continue to go through the total money makeover 
by Dave Ramsey. All right, welcome back. So let's talk about me personally right now. I am on baby step uh, five or maybe six. You know, it's a little unclear to me. I don't have any children right now, so baby step five isn't applicable. And I don't own a home at all, right? So I'm not paying a home payment right now. So baby step six isn't entirely applicable, but I think his intention is that you own your home. So I guess I'm on that step at this point. Anyways, in baby step four, when Dave says to invest 15% of your income, he does that with the intention of you paying off your home early in baby step six. So I could be wrong, but I think if you are not currently making a home payment, perhaps your baby step four should be more than 15% of your household income. And that's making up for the fact that you're not contributing to a child's college fund and not paying down a home early. But that's just my own thinking, my own extrapolation on what Dave is saying. I think it's valid though, and I would recommend that. Dave also talks about Social Security and that he doesn't count on it for his retirement and that you shouldn't either. The mathematics of that system spell doom. I'm not Chicken Little predicting the sky is falling. Entire books have been written on the Social Security mess. Understand it is your job to take care of you and yours. So part of your total money makeover is to invest now to make that happen. And I think this is a sentiment I've shared as well, too. Who knows what's going to happen with Social Security in the future? You are responsible for your retirement. So get started today. One other thing that Dave seems to do is he kind of overestimates the expected return on the market. He says that a 12% annual return is to be expected investing in good mutual funds. And I think that number is a little high. This problem becomes evident when he starts talking about why you shouldn't keep the debt on your house and invest more in the stock market. In his example, he talks about the 12% return on the mutual fund versus, I think, 8% that you have to pay on your home. And then he talks about all the taxes you'll have to pay on the 12% that you make in the market. Part of the problem in that thinking, though, is that if you invest in tax-preferred accounts, uh, you won't pay tax at all. So that's not a good reason why you shouldn't. So let me read some of the numbers he gives. If you borrow $100,000, you would pay $8,000 in interest. But if you invested that $100,000 in the market and made $12,000, you would get $4,000. The $12,000 you made in the market minus the $8,000 you had to pay in interest is $4,000. But then he takes 30% out for taxes, and so instead of getting $40,000, he says you get $400. And like I pointed out, you might be able to not pay taxes at all on your investment, so this might not be applicable to you. But what is, is he talks about beta. And here's what he says. There is a statistical measure of risk called a beta. A big beta means a big risk. Graduate level financial people who are taught mathematical formulas to make risky investments compare apples to apples with safer investments after adjustment for risk. We just never apply that formula to a debt-free home versus a mortgaged and invested home, which is very naive. The formula is great for putting you to sleep, 
but understand you can't compare risk with no risk unless you make adjustments. And I think what he's saying there is absolutely true, that the debt you pay on your home, you will have to pay rain or shine, whereas the return you get on the stock market may go up, it may go down. So I think it is good to take kind of a middle ground approach, like Dave advocates himself, that you start investing in baby step four, but don't pay off your home until baby step six. So it's good to be invested in the market. The degree to which you want to invest in the market, what percent of your income you want to put into the market versus paying off your debt early, I think is up to you. But there is some middle ground that you should take. And of course, the financial academic people that Dave is referring to is me. I was a TA for a class that was all about the CAPM or the capital asset pricing model. And one of the core principles of that class was beta. Continuing in the book, Dave poses the question, why do you want to have wealth? If you think wealth will answer all life's questions and make you trouble-free, you are delusional. I have had wealth twice in my life, and I don't find it to be trouble-free. As a matter of fact, most of the troubles have zeros on them. Wealth is not an escape mechanism. It is instead a tremendous responsibility. Continuing on, I can find only three good uses for money. Money is good for fun, money is good to invest, and money is good to give. And so ultimately, Dave here is talking about the end game of the journey, baby step seven. That once you are successful in paying off your home and funding your retirement sufficiently, you should now have enough money to give and be charitable. Dave quotes Margaret Thatcher in the book saying, No one would remember the Good Samaritan if he'd only had good intentions. He had money as well. Dave says the Good Samaritan had a good heart and a heavy enough purse to pay an innkeeper to help take care of the injured man. Money was involved. Money was at its best that day. Money gives power to good intentions. That's why I'm unashamedly in favor of building wealth. And I think that is a great thought, that money can empower us, that money can empower us to do good, to help other people. And so the pursuit of money is not necessarily bad, right? It depends on our intentions. And I think it's worthwhile for us to seek to provide for our families and our loved ones. Those are good intentions. And further to have some safety cushion as well. But beyond that, as we build wealth, it empowers us to do more good things. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest takeaways I got from reading this book, that our goal should be to get through Dave's steps so that we can return and help the community. Like I said before, I think Dave's book is inspiring, and I recommend you read The Total Money Makeover, particularly, like I said before, if you are in debt, because Dave's program, I think, has a pretty good track record. I haven't looked into it, but I think it sounds pretty good to me. I just want to read one more section of the book. So my total money makeover begins with the challenge. The challenge is you. You are the problem with your money. The financial channel or some late night infomercial gimmick aren't your answer. You are. You are the king of your future and I have a plan. The total money makeover plan isn't theory. It works every single time. It works because it is simple. It works because it gets you to the heart of your money problems. You. 
I think Dave's advocacy for accountability in this book is very poignant. You are responsible for your finances. So if you need a motivational tool, I recommend this book. If there's any other books you want me to cover on The Frug Life, please let me know. I would be happy to do so. I wish you luck in your financial journey, wherever you are. If you are just starting Dave's Baby Steps, good for you. Or if your financial situation doesn't exactly match the steps Dave has, like my own, where I don't have a home yet and I don't have children, I think there are some tweaks to be made. And I think I will discuss that more at a later time. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the program yet, but I'm actually writing my own book as well and talking about my own system I've developed after reading countless personal finance books. The system that I use myself. So be on the lookout for that. All right, well, have a great week, and as always, stay frugal.